Adulting.ca. That's A-D-U-L-T-B-R-A-I-N.ca. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grime America Show. We are going to be chatting a little food forest abundance with Jim Gale a little bit later on how you can like make a super garden and all this crazy stuff. Great chat. You guys should enjoy that one. And before we get to that, we got everybody's uh, favorite podcaster. Quickly becoming everyone's favorite narrator. Oh, Graham, boy. Malama, Ding Dong, Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? Not bad. How you doing? Oh, I'm pretty good. I'm in quarantine again. I've been narrating all weekend. It's been good, man. Isis Unveiled book two is fantastic. Are you half done? Uh, Yes, I'm past halfway. Past half? Three yeah. quarters? Yeah, but I'll tell you what, it's like, it's, 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 this could be the longest one we've done yet. So, longest? I don't even want to look at the end of the book to see how far I have left. I'm on chapter nine or something, eight, eight or something. So, like you that. don't know if you're, but you said you're past halfway. Well, I know I'm past half, but how do you yeah. know? Because I know. What page are you at? I don't know, 1,080, something like that. But that's including book one as well. So, and there's 1,400 pages, I think. Yeah, exactly. Pages. Okay, so I should get going on that soon, I suppose. Yeah, but hey, anyways, you were away. You were traveling through Montana. You're like, hey, they didn't even really ask me. Oh, yeah, you could border, get in. I so. think you could get in there. You know what we should do is we should just rip down for lunch one day. I think on as of Tuesday, you don't need tests anymore. As long as you're, if you're under 72 hours, you don't need a test. Uh, on the way, but test to come back, you mean? Yes. Yeah. So that way people can test, go down for, you know what it is, right? It's like what our guest was saying on Outlawed. You don't have That'll to be test. coming out this week. It's you because don't have of the to f- test to go down. Oh. Nothing. Or or come back. You don't have to do. So Because he thinks it happened because of the, the hockey games, right? The Buffalo games and stuff. Because there's thousands of people missing in those stands because they couldn't go over the border. Now they can just go over the border and come back. Yeah, to 72 hours. I think So they're waving the 72-hour testing. Like, we have to rip straight to the Walgreens of Montana on Friday, get the test, just so that you can be sure you have your results before you come home on Sunday. Even though you already had a test to go down? Didn't need, you don't need a test to go down. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Okay. Huh. I didn't have a test at all. I used my positive test to come back. And your positive uh, test. Positive but test. Natasha had a negative test. Your positive test to come back. The one from before, yeah, they say it's good for 180 days. Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> After 14 days, it's good for 180 days. So I just use that, and that worked. So, but they said I have to quarantine because I'm not vaccinated. And I was so get this. No, no. First we come over the border, so we go down there, no problem at all, no problem. Don't even. They didn't even. COVID didn't even come up. Where are you going? Okay, have fun. Come back. Is there a huge lineup or? No, nah, it wasn't bad. There was like two people in line maybe. And then we came back through the other one over by Cardston. Uh, over in the middle of fucking nowhere. By Glacier Park, sort of. And uh, so we come back into Canada. We didn't do the Arrive Can app. So I like, Why not? You I don't know. I've it. never done the Arrive Can app. Never yeah, you done did. it. You did only when you a, first traveled without a mask. Only on when. the plane. On the plane. The only time I've done the Arrive Can app is when oh, I'm on the plane. Oh, I see. Not because driving. they won't fucking let you on the plane until you show them that you filled it out. But when I'm driving, I've never fucking done it. You did it. I did not last time, right? You said you oh, had COVID. Oh, you didn't like, even do it last time. No, fuck no. I'm not doing that shit. But this time they made a big deal out of that. 
which wouldn't have been a big deal anyway, to be perfectly honest. But uh, I was with Natasha, and she doesn't she doesn't want the drama, you know. She doesn't want the because we didn't do the arrive count, so we come in. They're like, okay, well, pull over, blah blah blah. And they're like, well, you didn't do the arrive can, so you got to talk to the quarantine people again. So the same bitches that, you know, were busting your balls. So they call wow. us and they're like, well, you didn't do the arrive can app. So you guys both have to quarantine for 14 days. So where what did you, you where because did you, you didn't do the app? Yeah. And I'm like, well, we're, we're not quarantining. So, and then Natasha's like, well, fuck. And I'm like, well, she's like, can I just like do it now? And she's like, no, sorry, you're in, uh, you're in Canada now, so you can't do that. <laughs> and we're just like, okay. So um, the border guy comes out and he's like, well, why? You could just like go back into the States and, and yeah, come back in again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we like, so now we're like going back into Montana and I'm like on my phone trying to figure out this, download this ArriveCan app. Pull up to the Montana thing, no mass or nothing on my phone. And he's just like, Hey, how long are you coming for? And I'm just like, Well, just... did you say you went to a different location though? You drove. No, nah, they different... don't give a f- the Montana people you mean? They don't care. No, I thought you said you went to. Two, oh, yeah. We went, went through in different... one and out another. Oh, in one and out the other. Okay. I thought you came So then we had to turn around and go in the same one we were trying to get oh, out. Oh, okay, okay. Back to the Montana guy. And he's just like, Hey, how long are you in for? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, Five minutes. I was like, I got to fill out this stupid app so that my fucking government will let us come home. And he just starts like laughing at us. He's like, all right, well, you guys have fun. But no, those people did not mention fucking vaccines or COVID one time going down. And then came back, did the Arrive Can app. So they're like, uh, yeah, you got you to gotta quarantine. He, get, he brings me a couple tests. I'm like, bro. She she doesn't have to quarantine. You do. And I'm because like, uh, so who brought you these tests? So the you border guard. So I have a po- po- yeah. Well, now I had to go back to the border again, and he's like, "Okay, took all the info down." Now I show up and I'm like revved up, and it's a new guy. I didn't realize because everyone's got their masks on. So they switched border officers on me. The other guy probably didn't want to deal with me anymore when he seen me coming. He probably switched out. So now we pull up, and I'm just like right away. And I'm like, fucking bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, sir, why are you swearing at me? And I'm like, why? Because fucking bah, 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 bah. And he's like, yeah, but what does that have to do with me? And I'm just like, well, unfortunately, man, you're just like the face of it right now. So here we are. <laughs> so they were just like, he, they were, when we were first going to leave, he brought me out my passport and stuff. And he's like, so what are you going to do? <laughs> and like looking up the road, like I was just going to take off. Cause I would, if I would have been by myself, I would have just took off at that moment. But I didn't want to create a bunch of shit for Natasha. You know, maybe they do call her or now she's breaking quarantine and she's got to go to work. So I was just like, I was like, because I'm with her, I'm going to turn just, around. He just said it like that. And like, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, looking up the road, he's like, I ain't, I, he's like, I'm not doing nothing. He's like, it's, that was the original time, right? The first time the original, through. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, I don't care what you do. He's like, I'm not chasing you down or, you know, here's your stuff. But I was like, well, I don't want to cause a bunch of shit for her. So we'll just turn around and do it the right way. Because the, the rule then would be that if we just bust into Canada without it, then everyone just has a quarantine. But we just break quarantine anyway because nobody gives a flying fuck about quarantine anymore. 
I think Alberta is the only province to not charge anyone with busting quarantine yet. But I bet Saskatchewan's on that list too. Anyway. Wow. Uh, it was because we had an airport. We were the only, because remember there's only like four airports that were taking flights. So yep. Calgary was the only airport not to charge anyone for not going to the quarantine hotel. Oh. Every other airport was like jumping, chomping at the bit, but. Calgary, to its uh, credit, hasn't been charging people with that bullshit. So I'm just like, I said that to the lady on the phone. I was like, I live in Alberta, lady. Nobody's coming to check on my house. Nobody's coming. She's like, people might come check on you. And I'm like, no one's coming. And then, so anyway, now you I'm in quarantine. You right on the phone with her? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. You know me. And Natasha I don't give a fuck. getting a little uncomfortable. No, Natasha don't give a fuck either, really. But she's she handles it much better than you do. I'll give her. If she was... If she was like uh, as anxious as you were, she was doing a very good job of holding it on the inside. Yeah, but it wasn't about her. It was about me, and I and I was I was ready to be cleared. But it was about me too. No, no, I know, but I was ready to be cleared from my, you know, to go. And this time it was about me sick. too. Yeah, you gotta let these people know. So they switched border guards on me, and they both got an earful. But, right you know, I, I say sorry. I'm like, I know it's not you. I'm sorry, but I'm upset, and I don't get to go talk to Justin Trudeau. So hopefully if I piss enough of you guys right the fuck off, you'll go bitch at your boss saying I'm sick and fucking tired of getting bipped at for this, and then he'll go bip at his boss saying my guy, I'm sick of my guys bipping at me about getting bipped at. And then finally it's like, all right, enough of this shit. Because it really seems like the Montana dudes have just said, we're not asking people about vaccines. Montana's state law prohibits it. But Biden has asked all the federal employees to enforce it at the border crossing. So it's got to put, and I don't know this for a fact, I'm just uh, yeah, yeah, speculating. Yeah. We, from what you last sort of heard. But because whatever, I yeah. called the Idaho guy and I was like, do you need to see vaccine papers for a non-Indian? And they were like, well, we're just going to ask you. And, you know, some people, if you get called into secondary, you might have to produce proof. But I didn't call the Montana people. I just sort of assumed that was across the board, but the Montana people did not mention it. Now, I don't know if that's because I'm an Indian, because I just travel with my fucking, um, I just travel with my treaty card now. Unless I'm getting on the plane, because at the land crossing, they'll just take that. So I'm just using that so that now when I get busted for breaking quarantine here in a couple of days, when I refuse to test, when they call, because they're going to call me tomorrow and ask me to test. And when they FaceTime me, they're going to see that I'm fucking not at home. I'm in my truck someplace. And they're going to be like, what the fuck? And I'm going to be like, I'm not testing. You guys just told me last month not to test for three months because I'll test positive again. Now, I don't even think that's true. Because we know some people that took PCR tests and tested negative weeks after testing positive. But anyway. Unless they ramp up the cycle. Unless they got it ramped up. But I've still got my positive test. It's still supposed to be good. I'm not quarantining. And we'll just see what happens. The one thing that might get me into trouble is I'm not faking quarantining either. Which I think most people do. They'll like play along, do their tests. You know, maybe run to the bathroom at work. Pretend they're at home. Do, 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 do my test. Here you go. Mail it off. But I'm not even doing that. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I had COVID like fucking five weeks ago. <laughs> and they know it. They're the ones who tested me for it. Yeah. 
So we'll see what happens. Wow, interesting. It was interesting, but Montana's great. It's fucking yeah, like Do you it, know there's yeah. only a million people in the whole state? Third yeah, biggest I state. Like Montana, along that whole glacier there, or not glacier, but that whole mountain sort of plateau is fantastic. I love the drive. I like Helena. Yeah. But I think I'll end, or Helena, but I think I'll end up in Big Fork. Oh, I seen Drew, eh? I seen the lion. I ended oh, wow. up bumping into him. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. He was at the first CAC. Remember the dude who made the brownies? Yeah. The super brownies? Yeah. Well, not really, but. So that's who mailed in the weed. Oh, nice. In that yeah, fucking yeah. secret thing. Yeah. Anyway, I went for dinner with him in Montana. Nice. Yeah. And then for the second night, I was in Whitefish. Nice. Went out for a nice dinner in Whitefish last night. And it really only took four hours to get home. It took five with all the border fiasco, but I would yeah, have been yeah. I would have been home in four. Yeah. You could get home in four from four at four and a half hours you could be down in that big fork. I think that's where I'm gonna end up getting some property. But I've just cool. I was you know, I was gonna take Brandon Brandon was gonna say I was his roommate. I was renting a room off him so I could just like start getting my time in so I could get a dual citizenship. But I was reading the Montana state law this weekend, and it says that that they will tax all out-of-state income if you're a Montana resident. So I'm like, I don't not know. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. Until, I don't want to pay, you know, if I'm doing that, then I just, just Montana that's getting paid. Yeah, exactly. Not exactly. fucking. You're or, not going to pay taxes to multiple countries. To multiple countries. You know, that's yeah. crazy. Not, you know, that's, I can't afford that. So. Anyway, that's the Montana report. Montana's great. I'm saying we should just, like, on Tuesday that thing ends. So maybe, like, shortly in the new year, we should try just ripping down on a trip that's non-consequential. Like, yeah. we, we could just go down to fucking Shelby, Montana for lunch. They might tell us we have to quarantine on the way home. Yeah. But I think I have a way around that, too, because I don't think the Canadian border guards give a fuck. You don't show anyone at the border your papers. You just upload it to the ArriveCan app. And I have a theory that nobody is checking that. Yeah. <laughs> Ever. I yeah. was thinking, I was like, I wonder if I could just upload a dick pic. That might flag it. But I'm thinking we could use just that old Alberta one we had and just bing, bing. But I don't mind breaking quarantine either. I mean, they're not going to do anything about it. Well, they were going to get rid of that, like in, in October, in August. Yeah, exactly. So I just got rid of it. There you go. I'm immune B or whatever, right? I'm, I got yeah. a green pass. You're a green bee. Uh, you're, yeah, you're a green bee. So we could just go down to Shelby for lunch and see if you get in or not. And then yeah, we'll maybe. be less worried about it. Because then yeah. if they say no, you can't come in, we'll just be like, oh, all right, well, see ya. Yeah. We'll yeah. just go back for lunch. And, well, it's we can't go for lunch not, in Lethbridge it's, either. Fuck. It's, it's <laughs> not the not getting in. It's the, it's the oh, you tried to get in and you can't, so we're going to you know, we're going to haul you off that kind of thing. It's, oh, it's the like, U S is going to haul you off. No, they're just going to tell you to fuck off, dude. These are like, right. so you think this little old fucking dude in Montana, they're like the nicest guys in the world. I mean, have you met a bad U S border guard yet? Uh, in Vancouver. Yeah, totally. I've only met them coming home. Yeah. The only yeah. time I run into attitude is coming home every yeah. time. Yeah. Actually, that's not true. You run into some real gems in the airport. But this was back in the 80s and 90s. And well, back in the day, it was so. different. It sort of shifted, yeah. you know? Yeah. Sort of shifted. But I, you know, I also have a running theory that maybe they just didn't ask because I've got my treaty card. 
So they just don't yeah. bother asking her be- yeah. because yeah. that yeah. makes it weird. Now you're going to ask one of us and not the other. So just like, oh, fuck idea. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Forget yeah. it. So we'll so just you like, actually need another citizenship though. Like with your treaty, your treaty card won't just get you like access to the states. Oh yeah, I can. I, I just need my treaty card. That's it. But you still need to be a citizen though to like. Stay I don't. There, I, I you, no, no. I can work, and I just takes me six years to get my thing. Here's the thing: is I don't think. Well, the U.S. will let me go there. So say the shit goes down in Canada, it gets real bad. I got to run for the border. Right, but Canada won't let me get there somehow. Maybe they've blocked off the roads. Maybe they've this. Maybe they've that. If I'm just an Indian, uh, I don't think the U.S. will would make any allowances to come and get me. Whereas if I was a U.S. citizen, they would make calls and basically probably get me out of Canada if I wanted to. Yeah. Uh, there's, I've heard precedent for that of other um, dual citizen Indians during the Gunnawaga incident getting offered extradition or whatever you would call it to the U.S. I guess it wouldn't yeah. be extradition. It would be like refugee, basically. Come down yeah. here. Yeah. But if you don't have citizenship, and the other thing is, is I think if I had citizenship, that would make it easier to maybe show up with other people, like with kids and shit. Yeah, yeah. It couldn't yeah. hurt. Now I'm a citizen. Yeah. With and you know, it just it couldn't hurt. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. And in the in the window you know what, man? I I used to think fuck it, but you know, it's starting to seem like being a US fucking citizen if the offer's on the table might not be the worst idea in the world. If there is any country. Yep. That that might not be a bad idea because I know some people that would fucking kill for it. Yeah, for all its faults and all the like the all the global empire bullshit, there's a lot of uh benefits. I mean, I was just talking to somebody tonight about how Florida has like basically been free for the whole year, pretty much. I mean, they kind of never really went down until the last fall 2020 lockdown, even really, right? They they kind of stayed sort of free this whole time. I mean, and here we are up here, like completely blind to what's happening in Florida, which is doing fantastic. There's low cases, low all the data is really low for them, and they're the freest. That didn't even come up in Montana. Actually, there was one place. we. Oh, so I went to the resort, contactatthecabin.com, uh, Montana Magaflood, too, with Randall Carlson. Check that out. Uh, I went to the resort for lunch. I had the steak bites. Nice. It was good. Yeah. It was delicious. That's good. We couldn't get out on the dock because they're closed for the season, but we were able to walk down the waterfront a little bit there. All the rooms have a little patio. Each room has a little patio, which nice. is more handy than you think when you want to smoke some weed or something, or if you smoke the cigarettes or you vape or something like that. Now you don't have to go all the way down the fucking hallway. And and the patios are, of course, right on Flathead Lake, right on the lake. Beautiful spot. That was yeah. a Kwakatuk or something like that. I can't remember yeah, the name. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was a good spot. We went and checked that out. We went and checked out Big Fork, Whitefish, Missoula. Helena, Columbia Falls. Nice. Yeah. That was a good trip. Right on. Well, I got an email here from uh, a listener, kind of about Austria and sort of on this topic, if you want to just discuss it quickly. A jingle-like? What kind of jingle would I play? Just a uh, spam gram one or whatever. 
Spam Graham, Graham at GrahamAmerica.com. Send in your stories, your feedback, what's going on in your area, the, your neck of the woods, synchronicities, sightings, UFO reports. Whoops. I'm a rambling Graham with synchronicities all over the web. That was our first jingle, wasn't it? Darren is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. Uh, I don't think so. No, we had some before that, I think. Well, one, oh, you know what? Actually, Neil Davies, I think, sent us that crazy spam one before that. We got, we lost it. All right, so this is from, uh, no, should I say his name? It's from James. I won't say his last Just name. Just don't say last names ever. And you're uh, sick. Graham, uh, glad you got through COVID. I, it can be pretty bad. I got it early on and it was quite scary. Quite a few people I know have had it and we got a hold of a load of ivermectin which we shared out among us it has tended to work really well and reduce the length of the symptoms in most cases i know you guys are interested in what's going around around the world with covid i couldn't quite believe it when i heard about austria even after everything it's pretty shocking he says i'm not surprised on the lockdown of the unvax which is clearly being talked about in the uk Austria are taking up talking about compulsory vax and MSM are here are big on it. I think it could be desperation, but a fight is coming. I'm part of a community where we will die first, so I'm not sure how that works out. <laughs> I love I love Darren's I love Darren's positivity right now. Just living for the moment as well as trying to balance awareness, detachment, and spiritual connection. I hope that you can mention Austria on your show. Our hearts are with them, and I hope they will put on a show tomorrow for Freedom Day. So this is now like about, I don't know, a couple, it's probably about 10 days old, this email. <clears throat> I can't remember when Freedom Day was. Um, I've put together a group for awakened healthcare professionals to build a new system outside our NHS which is now completely in big pharma pockets. And we are trying to grow that. So, yeah, we totally get it. That's the same as what's happening with Canada's healthcare. Um, I mean, we've bought so many jabs. It's, I think there's enough for eight of everybody. Eventually that's how much Justin Trudeau is committed to big pharma. But, I'm still uh, rolling I heard clean. That, I heard that there's a bunch of people in, in uh, the Okanagan as well that are kind of making their own healthcare system. I guess they've sort of separated from the official healthcare because they've sort of quit or been fired or whatever, and they're creating their own thing. I haven't heard much about it in a couple months, but I mean, we do have a lot of listeners from the UK, UK Posse and stuff. So um, g give me an email if you're interested in, in learning more about this, I guess, or maybe I can connect some people. We can connect some people here. We should do a little meetup on the idea. way to Egypt next year. Yeah, I think that's a great idea, like a separate healthcare. Like, not, there's a war on natural health right now. You know, it'd be nice to, there's to a have war on all sorts of stuff. An uncorrupted system, man. So we will. I, we will keep. Go ahead. I get a Facebook. I don't know what. I got to shut the fuck up off to stop getting a notification every time you get an Instagram message. But it is fucking insane. Is it what you put up with for the show? I mean, I opened up my phone the other day. There was fucking 127 notifications or something. Every single one of those is a message to Graham. No, I don't get all. No, you're getting you're getting weird things like you're getting likes or something. Or no, no, look, I could go through it, and it's all like, it's all like, uh, really, uh, 
doom and gloom kind of stuff. I mean, I'm really starting to understand. I think I'm starting. I mean, I've got here. I've got 14 more. I've got 14. I don't more. understand what you're talking about okay. from Instagram. I don't. Uh, Abdulakin 42 to Grimerica. Saint Patrick was sent to colonize and kill the natives of Ireland. Abdulakin to Grimerica. Me too. But those evil fuckers invaded. Checking is good to Grimerica. I really like Ireland. Checking is good. Hmm. Abdullah, I don't know, dude. Do research. You know someone is a serpent if they shapeshift. Oh, you're on that. <laughs> oh, that's different. That's the new world order prep group. I don't know. Oh, is that to... is this? So, so I'm getting all these messages. Somebody... I'm just like, holy fuck, is this Scram's day? <laughs> this no, explains I, a no, lot. That's, yeah, yeah. That's so funny that you brought this up because I was reading it today. I'm going, this is just hilarious. Because if you're in this and like the Vaccine Choice Canada fucking... Uh, telegram group. I mean, you're just being bombarded with craziness all day. Not craziness, but no, like I don't even look at the worst of the worst. I, I don't left really get the, the notifications and stuff. I so left I the vaccine choice Canada one because it was, there's a bunch of stuff in there that had nothing to do with vaccines and stuff I didn't want to be part of. So yeah, it's kind of ended up growing past its uh, original, right. original kind of thing. No, it doesn't get all right. It doesn't go. Oh my God. I could see what you're going to say. Don't make this political. Well, I noticed it. I left it for those sorts of reasons. So, because it was stuff that I I wasn't comfortable with. What? I was just like, gross. I'm out of here. What? No, you got to tell me what that is. We could talk about it off the air. I'm not going to okay, get into it. Let's talk about it off the air because right. that really surprises me. Anyways, yeah, I was just like, I was fucking floored. But to be fair, it's not him. Or whoever's running that, him or her or they or the Z. Yeah. It's just all the, it's a, the comments, which maybe I should just stay out of the comments. But oh, it's the comments. Well, the there's comments. also a lot of spam in there right now. Like they keep getting all this, uh, these junk ads and stuff in there. Maybe they've so been infiltrated. That's probably what it is. Well, no, the, the whole telegram has been infiltrated. All these comment sections now are full of these advertisements and spam and get your fake this here and they're fake that there. And they're, and should they're we be back on signal? And, I, I don't know. I don't even really. Ch- I only checked Instagram. Uh, I'm ready to delete Telegram, Telegram but I just for, made the bros, the brothers of the serpent go on there right and everything. Now. It'd be hard to delete that now, too. But yeah, I'm like, I can't I'm sick it. of yeah, Telegram. I just, yeah, I it's just, like I'm getting gotta, invited to so much shit all the time now. I swear every day. And what I don't like is it's not like, hey, do you want to join this? I'm just in there. And now I've got to leave, and it's going to send a weird message when I leave. It's like the other thing is like, just turn your notifications. When off one of my weird con, like, when some contact I haven't talked to in a while gets Telegram, it starts popping up in my phone. Oh, this person joined Telegram. I'm like, well, I don't want all these in here, so I delete them. And it's like, oh, we've deleted this on both sides. So it's like you told this dude that I or this person that I've deleted it to, or you're telling them that I'm leaving the group that I maybe never wanted to be in in the first place, and it's just like. <laughs> It's a weird setup like that, but here's the thing. I just, I just don't. I just Can all we, my notifications are off, and I. Just how do we just and... add everybody on Telegram to the Grimerica group, and just start spamming them with audiobooks and stuff? I just, what Telegram group? Well, you know, there's going to be like a 10 million people on Telegram more. We just message them all somehow. No, you can't do the whole, the whole thing. You'd have no, those spam stuff is gross, man. I hate it. I won't participate in that. Spam gram. We have to grow our, <laughs> except for that. Yeah, email me. But we're not going to put spam ads out. It drives me bonkers. But I'm, I'm not sure anyone listens anymore. Here. You have to email us. Let us know if you still listen. 
He says, uh, we will keep fighting here in the UK, but I'm not sure I'll ever forget. Oh, this is sad. But I'm not sure I will ever forget the silence of many of my old friends. It hurts more than the narcissism of the few. And it's the reason they get away with it. The last thing I'm supporting you guys and I'm probably doing so. Oh, he's just talking about trying to support us through outlawed podcast. Love to you for what you guys do light in the darkness. So yeah, thanks for your support, James. And uh, good luck with your, your uh, decentralized little um, healthcare group outside of the NHS. Spam grab. So what do we got? Uh, we got the high. We got the the uh, highlight reel. Which one was oh, that from again? Really? You got the high right high right reel? High right reel. We got a high right reel for. <laughs> well, for Brady said I'd have it today. Oh boy. Okay. Well, if it is, if you do get it in time, then it's for the. Uh, uh, now I've forgotten. Oh, for the uh, Atlantis, the geometry of the Atlantis. It's part two with Matt Apocalypse. It's fantastic. He's doing all this original research with like uh, the difference between, or sorry, the relationship from Giza to the Azores and to uh, ancient sites in England and in Africa and Gobekli Tepe. It's fantastic. Uh, you can go find the whole episode on Rockfin <laughs> soon. I mean, there's no point in putting this out until the episode goes out, though. If we're trying to, well, no, I think I get both. Fans. I think I get both. Oh, okay, okay, there. all right. Yeah. So it's a fantastic episode. Yeah, it's, it's got it all on on video with the with the geography. I like I like his theories, and he talks about Ed the Ed Futex and High Brazil, and yeah, it's it's great. Right on. Well, if you're in the UK, I mean, let us know where there's a nice little pub or restaurant or something close to the airport where uh, maybe we could go a day early or something like that and uh, do a little meetup. It'd be cool to see the UK posse. That's a good point. I mean, if we, because we're going to have to pick between. Because a trip to the UK UK could be a while. Yeah. We could make it UK. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll make the layover in the UK. If there's enough people interested. Yeah. 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 So Spam Graham, if you're interested in maybe doing a, like, it would end up being like November 10th or 11th. Uh, maybe 2022, yeah. hang year, out for a few years. year from now, yeah, yeah just, just under a just year under from a now. Year. It's about time to start thinking about it. Uh, so spam gram for that stuff, and other than that, we'll have might have the intro, we might have the thing with Matt Apocalypse, or we might not. If I have it in time, it'll be in there. I think it will be. I was told it'll be there, so it should be in there, and then we will have the uh, the interview. So enjoy the chat. But from what I've researched recently is that that part of the ocean just off the coast of Ireland is um, famous for a type of cold water coral. And these cold water coral over periods of thousands of years, they form what are called carbonate mounds. So that the dead skeletons of the coral build up over time and the gaps are filled with sediment. So various sand and mud, etc. And you can get these huge underwater islands that can get up to a height of up to 600 meters, which is, is pretty big. And um, there's basically a, almost like a war going on between the, the rate at which these islands can build themselves and at which they get eroded. And because they're cold water corals, if, if the ocean temperature heats up, you know, as it did sort of 12,000 years ago, 
that can begin a, a process where the island itself erodes faster than it can build. And if it gets breached, um, it can erode very, very quickly. So and then 11,700 or 11,600 years ago, something else happened and we started to follow our normal warming curve back up. But what it looks like it's done is that that incident there has cut the head off of our interglacial. So we're now in the coldest interglacial as far back as these records go. So for the last 420,000 years, this is the by far the coldest oh, interglacial we've had. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't think we've ever seen that or talked about that, eh, Darren? Yeah, that is interesting, and that actually would give me a little bit of hope, I think, that it would give the ability to maybe fucking hold it a little bit longer because when I look at that chart, I think what's happening is at the peaks of those, you're getting full glacier melt. And once you have full glacial melt, your rivers stop flowing, which means your ocean currents stop moving and everything in your poles fucking freeze solid again. So hopefully with us kind of hanging out there, we can ride this motherfucker out for another 10,000 years. Exactly. You've nailed it on the head there because that's exactly what's happening is these warming cycles, it warms up so quickly that when the glaciers melt and um, you get dilution of, of the ocean currents, you're, you're shutting down natural weather systems. And that's why it only lasts for such a short period of time, because things like the Gulf Stream shut down, um, certain air currents shut down. And then what happens is all of the heat then is, is um, retained at the equator and the poles cool down. So that's, that's exactly what's happened. Um, just markers on here, just to sort of put it into perspective. So... That black line, which is very thin, re represents the, the width of that line, represents the Younger Dryas. So that's the period of 12,800 years ago to 11,600 years ago. And that's it, it, that event was so um, significant that it, it caused a new geological epoch. So we're now in the Holocene, and the previous geological epoch lasted for two and a half million years. So that... that <laughs> That tells you that something very significant has happened. This is what really, I, I think any any talk on Atlantis or, or, or any cultures or, or civilization starting at the end of the Ice Age, this is what really needs to be at the beginning, just to put it all in perspective. But basically, Giza is 1,080 kilometers from Gobekli Tepe. Um, I'm suggesting that they are place there for a reason because if you follow a rum line so rum is r h u m b and a rum line is just a line of fixed azimuth or fixed bearing so you're following a course that's perfectly west from here and from here and if you leave um the continent and go into the atlantic ocean the first islands you come across would be the great meteor sea bank which is now completely submerged but the highest part of that would have been exposed right at the end of the Ice Age, at the start of the Holocene. So if, if Atlantis was destroyed um, and they wanted to mark out their civilization, um, that island there, the Great Meteor Sea Bank, some of it would have just been about above water. And the reason that's significant is because it would have been the southernmost point of that region here. Um, Gobekli Tepe is a similar story. The latitude, you follow the rum line west and you get... Um, you hit the easternmost island, which is the very tip of that is still just above water today. 
um, but it's mostly submerged. So it's just a few rocks that you can see now, but that would have been a six kilometer long island at one point at the start of the Holocene. The other significant feature of this triangle is the, if you add up the length of all three sides, if we use my same logic of if, if they're trying to communicate to us in degrees, so that everyone's going to understand um, well, any any advanced civilization is going to know how big the world is. Um, one one of the significant factors that can be communicated is that every every advanced civilization is going to be aware of the tilt angle of the Earth. So we're at present day twenty three point four four. Earth's axial tilt it ranges between twenty two point one twenty four point five. That's over the forty one thousand year cycle the average of which is 23.3 degrees. Well, that length here is 23.27 degrees, which rounds up to 23.3. Um, so this, this sort of goes into the realms of sacred geometry. How do you communicate things to people in the future with significant numbers that any advanced civilization would understand? So we need to then start again, and we take another 90-degree trajectory or bearing to, to start the arc of a new great circle. And it looks like it ends up in Giza. And if I zoom in on that, that's where it ends up. It's only 380 meters north of the Great Pyramid. So I, I don't think that's a coincidence. I, I think that's why it's been, it's been built there. This is the Rickat structure in comparison to um, what I believe to be the lost city of Atlantis here. These dimensions tally exactly to Plato's descriptions. Um, what the problem with the Rickash structure is it, it seems to be about four times too big. So that wouldn't be 27 stadia in diameter. It's more like 108. So it's way too big. Um, so it makes me wonder if Plato or Solon or even the Egyptians have tried to piece together a story based on fragments of texts, and some of the details have been mixed up. Because there's one, there's one detail in particular where there's only one detail where the Rickat structure or the, or the location around it trumps the Azores, and that's the location of the plane of the lost city. So um, it's called the Tenemar Crater, and it's only a little over 200 kilometers away from the Rickhouse structure. And the reason it's so fascinating is the date. So it's dated at 21,400 BC. Oh, sorry, uh, 21,400 before present. And um, But there's a margin of error of 9,700 years. So it could have been 9,700 years before that. 21,400 is interesting because that's pretty much when the last glacial maximum came to an end. And if you go down the other end, if at the youngest end of the spectrum, that takes it to 11,700 years old, which is right when the uh, younger dryas came to an end. So maybe we, we could still find traces of basalt columns. That's if I'm right. It's a, it's a bit of a stretch, but it's, uh, it's how I've interpreted the story at Edfu. It's a fun stretch. I mean, yeah, those I mean, pillars are pretty cool looking. I've never seen those before. Yeah, they're basically, they're, they're made out of basalt. So it's, it's not quite as hard as granite. It's nearly as hard as granite. 
All right, we got Jim Gale with us from Food Forest Abundance. Uh, we're going to talk solutions and stuff today. So thanks for joining us, Jim. Well, thank you, Graham. Thank you, Darren. I'm very glad to be uh, sharing what I've been learning with everybody possible because this is how we change the world. Yeah, you bet. I mean, this is the solutions. I mean, people talk about planting, you know, fruit trees everywhere and stuff like that. But I mean, you've really taken this to the next level. So I'm looking forward to learning about it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. We'd like, we got to try and talk about solutions every once in a while. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's super important in permaculture. One of the first principles is turn the problem into the solution. Right. And so the first thing, in fact, Einstein said, if I ever want to solve a problem, I'll spend the first 55 minutes understanding the problem in great detail. And then I'll take five minutes and I'll solve the problem. So the first thing we have to do is understand the foundation, the root of the problem. And then, boom, we can solve it. And that's what I'm going to I'm going to share with you all today. Okay, good. Yeah, good. I mean, the thing is, I was listening to you on a, on a couple other shows there on another show with, uh, with Lindsay, uh, shout out to Rogueways. And, you know, the way you explained it, I, I thought, why, why isn't this been done a long time ago? Like you, the way you quantify it and design it and, and sort of put it into this, this form that is it's science and common sense, but it doesn't seem like it's ever really been talked about like that. It's exactly, you know, it's interesting because after so many years of doing stuff that wasn't um, as effective as it is now of communicating this message. And of course, the times help a lot. You know, when I first started talking about the problem back 14, 15 years ago, which was government, mind control, people are like, oh, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, shut up, Building 7. Oh, shut up about that. I don't care about fluoride. I don't care about glyphosate. Now, 14 years later, the people are waking up at such a rate that I just heard that some computer program said that there's no way to stop the Great Awakening, but they're going to do everything in their power to stop it because stopping it is the only way that they remain in control, the government. And... um, it's not going to stop. And it's our job, all of our jobs to help speed it up. And that's what we're all about. That's what your show is all about. It's waking people up. That's what my whole life is about. And then since a lot of people are very clear on the why, on the what is the problem and why is it happening? We need to go to the how do we fix it? And, you know, one of my favorite quotes ever was uh, Victor Hugo. He said, there's one thing stronger than all of the armies of the world. And that is an idea whose time has come. The idea that I'm sharing today is the idea. It literally is and logically is the Garden of Eden. This is so easy to do. It's the next logical step for humanity. Yeah. And the other thing that's adding to the um, advantage of your timing here is that there's, you know, food shortages. People are talking about all kinds of global issues with, you know, whatever soy, there's a war on meat right now. There's all kinds of stuff going on with our food, food system. And they, you know, they just, yeah. it seems to me like they just want to start feeding us fake food and the yeah. grown in the lab, uh, one sort or another or bugs or whatever. So yeah. good timing on that front as well for people to be, you know, sort of waking oh, up to new fan. ways. It's, new a, ways it's to, the great awakening because yeah. they're coming at us from every direction. And we, we both said they, and they are right. Well, if anybody wants to know who they are, just look at David Martin's work, Dr. David Martin. He puts a graph about exactly who they are. So you don't have to wonder anymore. And once you realize it and you see the connections between government and they, these people, they are government. They are the, managers of the mind control system and when we free ourselves from that which is literally just going from fear to faith and courage it's a resonance it's a vibrational thing then it's very clear what the next steps are and they are 
and they are basically free your mind and make your own decisions and be self-responsible. And so you, and you're helping people do this through growing forests of food, really. I mean, it's, yes, really it's through inspiring action, right? It's it, to be in spirit or inspired is to lift the energy from that fear that use is used to control everybody. And, and then along with that, the how is when we turn 30, 40, 50% of the 40 to 50 million acres of lawn in the United States to regenerative agriculture, we reverse mass extinction and deforestation and cancer and heart disease and diabetes and all the other forms of tyranny just by growing food. And I'll unpack that as we go. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. And then we also want to touch on that off-grid community you talked about in, in Florida as well. I mean, cause people are, you know, people don't know what to do right now. There is, what's the solution. Do you go out into the, into the woods and create your own little commune? I mean, do pe- are people that at least don't want to participate in what's happening? I mean, it's uh, different for every country and every little area because we, you know, us in the winter right now, we, it's difficult for Canada because we've half six months of the year, you could be at minus 10, minus 20 degrees. You know, where do we go? What community do we go to? Right. Off the grid is kind of, sometimes it doesn't feel like it's the right idea. Sometimes it does. Exactly. And I'll tell you this, I've done the new community thing and we're doing one now. Um, but what the world needs is to bring sustainable solutions, to bring food to existing communities. Like that's how we change the world. I'm doing this per particular community, I'm designing it. So my life will be to grow all of the food, produce, um, harvest all of the water and to create all of the energy on my property. And that then to go along with that, to demonstrate how freeing and wonderful this is, I want to demonstrate health. I want to demonstrate this kind of lifestyle because man, folks, when we eat good food and when we're surrounded by beauty, it will lift us up so magically. Um, in fact, I did a video at Gauss Landing, this off-grid community that we're creating after John Galt from Atlas Shrugged, by the way, um, I did a video today and I'm standing in the middle of a food forest that we planted seven months ago, right? With about 55 different plants. And I'm naming all of the different species of food within literally arm's reach or two steps of me. And we've done a half an hour of maintenance on that food forest in the last year. So, and it's been seven months and you're already seeing results. It was 18 months ago when we planted it. The first four months, we made sure that it got some water because it got really dry at times, which literally meant uh, probably a half a day's effort for the first like four months. And then for the last 12 months, we've done nothing. And nature is doing its job. And you've you've designed this taking into account different things, the environment that you're in, the climate that you're in, the the location... Um, You nailed it. That's exactly right. The first um, thought in in the permaculture design process is agricultural zone for most people. Now, there's people like Sepp Holzer, who lives in the Austrian Alps at elevation, who's like, ah, screw that. I'm just going to grow lemons in the Alps when it's impossible to grow lemons in the Alps. Right, well, he's right. growing lemons in the Alps, right? So, and, and, and uh, Jeff Lawton, who did a show, which is on YouTube, called Greening the Deserts of Jordan. Right. Where he's greening areas where the agricultural people in Jordan at the colleges and universities said it's impossible what you're talking about. There's no way you can do it. Ten years later, he's got a food forest in a desert that is impossible. What did he do that was different? 
He put he used permaculture design techniques, which have been proven all over the world for a long time. And they're not adopted in mass yet, which but now it's changing rapidly because there wasn't the motivation. There wasn't the understanding of what's actually happening. You know, the thousands of years that it's taken to go from food forest abundance everywhere, which is basically jungles and forests of food, to this destruction that we have now, this radically unsustainable system. This well, monoculture? Kinda. This crazy poisoned monoculture. Poison's coming at us from every direction. But look how tough nature is. It literally, with one day's war machine budget around the world, we could have the Garden of Eden everywhere. With one day's resources at the churches around the world, we could have the Garden of Eden everywhere. And when you say Garden of Eden, that's your sort of analogy to a, a food forest for your community, yes. let's say. Or that's exactly right. At, 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 a at a local, like at a local level, like how local are we talking? Like personal, uh, neighborhood, community, city, yeah. or all yeah. of the above? That's right. And when I talk Garden of Eden, I'm talking about the logical design of our communities to be abundant. And I'm talking about starting with your backyard. That's the first, the phase one in our society is right out your back door. And so people say, well, I live in Minnesota. I live in Arizona. I live, I can't do it where I live. That is a programmed BS. It's bad science, bullshit, and belief systems. None, it's not true. My friend Chad Johnson in Northern Minnesota off the tip of Lake Superior has 300 different species of edible and medicinal plants growing on his property in such a way. And get this, this is where it's mind blowing. If he simply didn't do anything, that food forest would expand and cover the world over time because the birds come into the system. The animals, they eat stuff, they go out and they poop and they all of a sudden new plants are growing. That's how this is supposed to be. Can we just dig into that? Like, especially that example with the desert and, and like what you're talking about here, like when you say using permaculture design, how, how does that, how does that differ? Is that sort of taking it sort of one layer at a time or, or multi like different animals and plants all combining. Yeah. So you start with big patterns and you look at the landscape and you say, okay, what does this need? What's the observing and interacting? Where's the water flowing? Because water's job one, catch and store water, right? So the first thing Jeff did, at least in the show is he put, he observed and then he saw where the water was moving. And then he put in big swales, right? Which are just ditches on contour. Now you can have a swell in your backyard that's six inches wide and six inches deep, right? It might be a, a, sh a very shallow grade um, or a slight grade and you just want to catch. And then when you slow down the water from taking the nutrients off of the topsoil and you catch it in a, in a berm, it'll sink down and it'll go into your landscape along with the nutrients. Instead of the water taking the nutrients off of your landscape, it puts the nutrients where you want them. And then on the downside of that is where you have rows and rows and rows of fruit trees and edibles and medicinals. So do you, do you have to start, like, let's say you're using a desert environment or if somebody's doing their backyard, do you have to start small though and, and then get up? Like, do you have to start with smaller plants and stuff to... Or you can't just start planting big stuff, can you? Well, you, you can, but um, a lot of times the price of a, let's say, a 100-gallon citrus tree, it could be five, $600. Uh, a jabuticaba might be $1,000, $2,000, and some even more, right? It really depends on the size because the size means the value, which means the yield, 
right? So the bigger the fruit tree, the more yield it's going to have, the more value it has. So most of the time we get trees that are a year, year and a half old at the local nurseries. And we put them in conjunction with other plants like nitrogen fixers, legumes that will actually heal and build nutrients in the soil. We put moringa and other chop and drop plants there that will drop their leaves and build nutrients in the soil. At the end of it all, it's really about storing energy and building soil. Should we not even be raking leaves? Oh, God, I'm so glad you asked that. That is the most, um, it's just not the right thing to do based on natural cycles. The leaves are nutrient packages, dehydrated nutrient packages that go down to the ground and replenish the soil. So when you take the nutrients away, then what do you have to replace them with? Chemicals, synthesized, patented poisonous chemicals, oftentimes poisonous. And so you're taking something that's natural and beneficial, you're taking that out and you're replacing it with something that's unnatural and not beneficial. So can you go, I guess what, what's next? Can you walk us through designing a, one of these for like a small community or let, let's say, let's say people want to share, they have a public garden or a community yeah. garden or something that they want to share. Like how would you go about designing that for them? Okay, so or, or we would what start would it look like? by yeah. the person will call up and say, I would like to know what a food forest blueprint in my area would cost or for my yard. If they have a quarter acre, um, then it's going to be about $797. Um, once somebody is inspired, sees the value in getting a, a food forest landscape blueprint, then a designer calls them directly. And then they have a conversation starting with agricultural zone and then going to what are their goals? What's their vision? What do they imagine is the highest and best use of their property? And then here's where it gets fun. The designer will take their goals and add what's possible. They'll add the layers of food forest from the roots and tubers all the way up to the diversity of, of bushes and berries and grapes and then the, the fruit trees. And when you get a stacked system like that with food growing everywhere in that layer, um, that's when it gets just super exciting. Any questions, Aaron, at all? Can I let my chickens in the garden? Chickens are fabulous for a garden. The now, poop chicken, seems like it's a little harsh. Is there something I should be like mixing in with that? Time, time, the, the amount and the time that the chickens will be in a certain space is the most important factor for most things, right? There might be some particular food that the chickens like better than they like the bugs and the, the stuff in the dirt, right? That's the first thing to go after. They're going to actually become your predator control, your pest control. Chickens, but then if you leave them too long, then they're going to eat everything else. They're going to, so it's a matter of just um, letting your chickens out in a certain area for a certain amount of time based on how many, and then taking them in the next day, maybe you let them out somewhere else, and they will till the soil and they'll leave their droppings, which is good in every way. Good so you need, a portable, you need a portable thing that you can drag around the yard kind of thing. I'd rake my leaves sometimes. I, get, I, I usually leave them because the chickens just love digging in them. It's like their yeah. favorite thing in the world, so it just seems yeah. cruel to rake them up. But then yeah. usually what I'll do in the spring is I'll just, like, rake them off into the tree wells. Yeah. Because, I, you know, come the spring, I want her off the lawn. You know, I could just They'll leave still them be there the in the spring? Yeah. Mush? Like mush? Yeah, they're mushy, yeah. 
Yeah. And then they turn, they decompose, right. And they turn into nutrients in the soil that build the lawn and everything. So what I would suggest is take a part of your lawn that maybe on the edges, that's what we love people starting with, unless they totally get it and they're going full on. We start with working the edges four to six feet on the edge of your property, which is typically considered unusable or not very useful, right? You start there around that whole edge. And within three years, you will have so much abundance just in that space. A lot of people then would say, okay, I'm going to do more. It becomes kind of like a, their thing. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So what should he do with the, like, cause in, in Canada where we are in Alberta, it's, it's sometimes the snow will be on the grass for, especially Three in months. areas where it doesn't even get sun for months and months and months. So in the spring, the, the leaves are still there like mush. I mean, do you just, just, for forego the lawn altogether. Ideally, you just leave them there until they decompose. The, yeah, because then you're really going to end up with actually, a, you're going to end up with a forest floor. I guess this is what's going to happen, and then the the leaves are going to fall again, and they're going to build up, build up. So so the lawn goes away, and you have dude. I went like uh, a month because it got so hot this year. I went like a month and a half without cutting the grass, and it was and there was like fucking fifty little trees growing in my backyard. <laughs> Now, most of them wouldn't have made it through the winter, but a couple of them would. So, I mean, within yeah. a couple of years, you'd have a bunch of trees back there. It wouldn't take long. Yep. Only because yeah. the fence is there to stop the wind. I mean, the problem with where yeah. we are is that there's always trees in the coolies or on the slopes, but anything yeah. up on the prairie just gets wiped off the face of the earth by the wind. Yeah. And, and that's one of the problems of deforestation is it creates very dramatic climate issues, right? It's not the, it's not the freaking carbon. It's, it's the deforestation that creates the desertification and all these other problems and the poisons. Those two combined are, are, are the worst two things combined you could ever do. Um, so what you imagine that same backyard with a design with 30 or 40 different edibles growing around the edges where for three, four months a year, you've got more food, healthier food than anything you could buy at the store and just in abundance. I'm in. Send me the plan. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we do. What's easiest? What do you, what's the easiest stuff to grow? What are the beginners? Is this, it, so do you have to go all in right from the beginning or can uh, you, you kind can of go step by want. step? Step by step, you could get one fruit, you could do one fruit tree guild, right? So most people go to Lowe's and they buy one fruit tree, they buy a bag of manure or something, they stick in the ground and then that's it. And most of the time, if they've got decent soil, that fruit tree will produce a, a good yield over time. But when you want to make that thing max out its yield and be less maintenance, then you design it where you have a guild, which is a community of plants that support each other. So you've got some beans and they also produce more food. So you do the whole thing where you've got three or four berry bushes, you've got mushrooms at the bottom, you've got some different um, bushes, maybe some lavender, some flowers and some some peas and greens and some vines going up the fruit tree. Now in one fruit tree area, you've got seven or eight different species of food huh. and triple the food. And they call it a guild. Yeah. Perfect. It's, you could literally be no maintenance. I mean, like if you want to do it better, you do an hour twice a year and you're going to increase your yield significantly. What about in some place? Like we went six weeks without rain this year. Is that uh Defended against that, or would you add water in that instance? Or do you just like pipe water. in your water so it just does it all automatically? Yeah. Like, okay, so with a heavy layer of mulch, you don't want to water your food force more than twice a week. 
right? If it's natural rain and stuff and it rains a week, that's, that's fine. It could still even get moldy. But the best thing to do in that case is go out twice a week and give it a good soak with rainwater, something that's not full of poisons like this tap water stuff. Um, and that is what we did. And it, they're just thriving. So you have somewhere to collect the rainwater and then, and then, yeah. you know, water it with that. It's so easy. Right off your roof, you just put a big barrel in there, put a good lid and a filtering system on there so the mosquitoes don't get in there, and you've got an incredible um, water catchment system. Huh. So how did you incorporate, so did you, let's get into the off-grid thing that you're talking about uh, in Florida then. So So we bought this property. It was kind of a miraculous story. Um, I went to um, these local... um, permit people and, and developers and builders. And I said, Hey, we're looking for a property that has a runway because my partner's a pilot for JetBlue and we want a lake and we want enough room to have like three or four houses. And he said, that's not possible. There's nothing around here like that. Two weeks later, I got a call and Bob says, Jim, you're not going to believe this. He said, we've got a property that has a mile long paved runway a 430-acre private lake and 50 acres, and we bought it. And now, several years later, we just um, it's going <laughs> radically cool. We've got food growing everywhere. We've got our 6.2-acre pond, which we're going to turn into a major aquaponics system. We're going to do all these microclimates using all these um, techniques that have been proven. And the whole community is off-grid. Every lot comes with, with its own food forest design blueprint. So literally all of the food, water, energy, honey from bees, rum, wine, everything will be produced on the property. Wow, that's cool. In Florida. In Florida. The freest and the freest state or one of the exactly. freest states. And we're we're showing freedom from the middle of the freest state on a, a level that I've never seen before in a kind of luxury community. And um, I mean, I grew up uh, on the leaks bass fishing. So this is like a blow your mind dream come true. And my job, we're building a studio on the property. My job is gonna be to live every day and demonstrate this from farm to kitchen to table how simple and healthy it is so uh, what was i gonna ask um geez what was i gonna ask about the uh no go ahead i think i'd start with raspberries here they seem to be yeah. uh they grow pr- quite well they like kind of take over everything and just awesome reproduce and reproduce and reproduce <laughs> raspberries are fantastic one of my favorite all the berries you know i mean the blueberries uh yeah you got blueberries up there too they're they can grow wild even in some of those areas oh yeah back in ontario you go pick like we'd go pick 20 ice cream pails and my grandma used to load us all up when we go out for the day with all the grandkids there'd be like eight of us out there Wow. Back when she could just pile us all in the back of the station wagon with no seat belts or fuck all. And we'd go out in the bush and pick blueberries for the day. You go to where they used to log. So they'll have like, you know, you yeah. go down the logging road and they'll have little areas where they've cut down all the trees a few years ago. And when the the blueberries would just be fucking wall to wall blueberries. Yeah. And you're coming home with 10, 15, 20 ice cream, big four liter ice cream pails of blueberries. And you've been picking out like, the whole time on blueberries too. It's crazy. It's crazy. And then I come here and I pay seven bucks a fucking pound for blueberries. And I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. 
Dude, you-, you just you just spoke to a really important point. It's value on every level. It's health. It's fun. It's joy, and it's food security. And getting out in nature too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you do for energy then there on that off grid thing? I mean, is solar, uh, how much does solar play a part in that? Um, a big part. It- so we like redundancy in any natural system. You want to have a diversity for redundancy, for security. So we've got solar, we've got wind and a generator. And our goal, and I don't know how feasible this piece of it is, would be to create our own fuel for the generators. Um, so that's something I haven't done yet, but we will get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could do it easy enough. Sugar cane's not hard to grow. We're growing it. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. if you look at what they're doing down in Brazil, they're just turning sugar cane into fuel. I think sugar cane is more widely used as a fuel in Brazil than Petro. Wow, that's awesome. See, that's a process I've never done, and I can't wait to do that. Like, that's going to be so much fun to take that sugar cane, grow it all along the edges, and then turn that into fuel and see what actually we can get out of it. Because I don't know the numbers on that. But that's part of the learning process. What yeah. kind of booze does that turn into? You just start burning like gin or whatever the fuck it is. Like, <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, exactly. Need another quart of gin in this motherfucker. Yeah. Where's solar at? I mean, I, I keep hearing it's getting better. Now, you're in Florida, so it's going to be a lot yeah. better than it is here. The problem in Canada is like, you know, you could have some solar panels, but they ain't going to do shit from like yeah. from like October till March. You ain't doing a fucking thing with those solar panels. Yep, that's right. I like things like passive solar There's um, or solar evacuated tubes that take water and heat water. Even in 20 below, if you have sun hitting these black tubes, the water can be up to 180 degrees inside those tubes. And then you run those tubes into barrels and you can use those barrels as a thermal mass. And it's way less expensive over time. And it's incredibly effective. And there's GAT systems. There's these underground earth battery systems where you can take, you know, the 54 degree air that's 10 feet down below the permafrost line. And you can run that through your halfway sunken greenhouse. There's a lot of different techniques now. What about, um, I wonder if you could use that water heating technique with glycol. Yeah, and then throw it into your floors somehow. You would need yeah. fuck all oh, for you yeah, wouldn't need yeah, fuck all for wow. energy to run the pump. Yeah. I mean, I wonder idea. you'd have to put a black tube inside a thing. And that would heat thing. a lot of the room. That would heat a lot of the area too. Yeah, pump yeah, and room. I mean, you could yeah. even have like a redundancy built in where you like run that shit through your fireplace. So like you know, when it gets yeah. real cold, you just like. All right, now I'm burning wood because my in-floor heating ain't working, but at the same time, you're fucking charging your in-floor heating. I mean, winter here is rough, bro. I mean, winter here is rough. It's it's a. I love your thinking. Me too. Thank you. I like your thinking too. Like literally have copper pipes running through the bricks in your fireplace. We turn on the fire, it gets hot, and all of a sudden it starts that motor, and all that heat gets stored into the floor, in-floor heating, but with a fire. So now you're getting stack of functions, right? You're getting the heat directly from the fire, and as those bricks heat up, you're now taking that water and putting it. That's, that's genius. And then it comes up from the floor and heats the, the whole room. Totally. That's, uh, that's badass. And maybe you're having a shower, too. Man. There you go. Hot there you go. Yeah. I watched uh, one of my guilty pleasures is Alone. Uh, 
it's a TV show where they take 12 of these motherfuckers and they just like drop you off. And it's usually in Canada. All the ones I've watched have been, I don't watch much. So it takes me a long time to get through this stuff. But uh, all the ones I've seen have been in Canada where they, the last was in BC on some lake full of grizzly bears. And they wow. just take you and they drop you all off 10 miles away from each other with a backpack and some shit and you are on your own. Wow. And uh, just watching some of the shit those guys make for heat and stuff like that is pretty much, I can't remember why I brought that up. Well, you got to get pretty creative and figure shit out probably. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it? pretty, it's pretty gnarly. It's pretty neat That's the awesome. way the stuff they build. Yeah, Les Stroud does some stuff like that. I love that guy. The Survivor yeah. Man, he's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. So there's some miracles happening too. And this is the part I really want to uh, share with people that good things are happening. And I'm aware of the shitty things. Like I'm hyper aware. I've studied this for so long. Uh, it was an obsession. After I sold, I sold the mortgage company. I did about 1.3 billion in total sales. And I, I just studied this. As soon as I learned that there are wicked people, there are parasites at every level of this creation and they want to suck the energy. I started digging in and what I see so clearly now is that the people that are staying in the narrative they are staying in shame and fear and rage. They are dangerous people because they're willing to advocate for force and violence. They're willing to say that it's my right somehow to force you, violently force you to do what I want you to do because I'm scared you might hurt me in the future. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking wicked. So what people are saying, no, because of all this shit happening. And now the people that raise above that and start going towards what you want in life. Yep. Those are the people that are changing the world so fast and enjoying the process. Yeah. That's the whole key. That's what's, that's yeah. been, and I'm glad you brought that up because one of the challenges we talk about all the time here and that I have personally is, is keeping an eye on the wickedness without attaching myself to it and, and trying to keep um, the positive sort of manifestation and creating our own reality going at the same time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So how do you do that? How do you do, how do you follow or cause you, you must, you know, like you said, you got, you know, what's going on as well. So how do you do that without getting down or getting attached yes. or letting that dark sort of seep in? That's dude. That's such a freaking profound question. Um, so until about nine, 10 months ago, that profound was still seeking, um, right. seeping in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I let go of it. I let go of the fear of it. I went to this place where, um, faith and courage, where I, I said, you know, I'm a spirit living a human experience, right? Um, that's what I think is true yep, or yep. it's just a random thing, but I, I know that's not true based on my ayahuasca experience and all these different life experiences that are impossible in a mathematical world. Just, it's not a coincidence at all. So with that said, I said, you know what, if it's true that I'm a spirit living this divine experience, then I'm going to let go of all barriers, yep, let yep. go of all boxes. If blow up the boxes and I'm going to go full speed towards what I want most for selfish reasons. And I love to convey this. Like I will die for my kids, right? Yeah. Their joy is my primary motivation in yeah. life. Yeah. Right now I can't create their joy, but I can create to the best of my ability, a foundation of life that is easier to enjoy than one of hardship and suffering. So that for selfish reasons, I am doing this and it's the, it's exploding globally and it's just a lot of fun. Well, it's not just self. I mean, when you say selfish, you're, you're talking about, you know, you're, you're, 
your family, your loved ones, like the people you care about doing this because it's going to help build a better life for them. Yeah. And my love for you guys, my love for the world, my love yeah. for people in general. Like I've lived in Africa with the Maasai. In fact, I, this picture is kind of fun. Um, like I love people. I went and lived with the Maasai in Africa. Sorry about that darn light. And all over the place because I love culture. And so when I say selfish, it's when you turn this idea of serving into a selfish thing where you're actually serving out of because you enjoy it, then it's not work anymore. Then it's just fun on every level. That's the best part. Yeah. Um, are you, how far are you from Gainesville? Uh, about two and a half hours. Oh yeah. Have you gone to see, uh, are you familiar with, uh, Michael Singer stuff? Um, a little bit, but not, not deeply. Tell me about it. Oh, well, I'm not the guy to tell you about it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I've yeah. enjoyed his books. I really enjoyed yeah. the surrender experiment, which is, uh, kind of resonating with your story, but he's kind of, I mean, your whole, your awesome. whole story is kind of uh, resonated with him. His whole thing was he decided like a long time ago, he's just like, whatever, I'm not going to say no to life anymore. Whatever life throws in my way, the answer is yes. And the guy goes from being like a hippie living in the bush, building a one-room shack, and, you know, someone else builds a shack, and, you know, all of a sudden someone comes along, he's like, I like your shack, man. Can you build me a garage? And, you know, now he's got a construction company, and then he's got yeah. this this other brand. And then he, he's making enough money that he buys a computer to fucking fuck around with just in his spare time. And he's yeah. getting a kick out of it. And, you know, and people would ask him these crazy things like, well, can you make me a program for this? And he's like, well, in his head, he's like, well, no. And but he's like, no, I can't say no. I got to say <sighs> yes. So, okay. So I got to make this program. So he ends up fucking accidentally designing this medical software system. Wow. And uh, wow. long story short, he ends up uh, selling it for like $3 billion or some fucking crazy. So like, whatever. And I'm then when the story like comes up to, to modern time, he's like, he's meditating in his private jet on the way to this merger meeting and, and all this stuff. But I mean, it's just a weird story of, and it could all be bullshit, but I don't think so. I was actually getting ready with my buddy, uh, shout out to Alex Takaris. I don't know if he's still listening or not. I still love you, buddy, even if uh, we disagree about some things. Anyway, we were getting ready to go down to Gainesville. In uh, We were talking about it in January of last yeah. year to go to, I forget. What Temple of the Universe. The Temple of the Universe, yeah. yeah. We were getting, it's right there wow. in Gainesville. It's two and a half hours away from you, and it sounds very similar to what you're kind of doing there, minus the food. But wow. it's a lot of yoga and meditating and surrender and, and stuff like that. And he's right there. Do they but do ayahuasca ceremonies? I don't <laughs> know. I would be, uh, I don't know. You know, I was kind of curious to even see how they took the whole COVID thing. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, if you're surrendering now, I mean, it's, it's he, you got to fucking <laughs> infiltrate it. But anyway, that brings me to my question. Yeah. Are yeah. you growing any weed? I, I want to so badly. But Is it illegal we, there? It is to grow like that. Um, we are developing a community, so we have to play by all the fucked up rules from the rulers. And I completely disagree with that. But first of all, it's it's not my I'm, I've owned my property. And even on my property, I don't want to take any risks like that right yet. Yeah, um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know, weed is one of the most beneficial cannabis, THC, hemp, beneficial plants in the history of the world, the Joshua tree, some people say, and all these other benefits, right? As you, you guys know, obviously. Um, the burn and bush, the peace Why is it fight. illegal? Well, of, of course, it's the same thing. It's governmenting. 
you know, they don't want freedom of mind. And uh, anyway. isn't it ironic how you can't get any weed in the two free estates? <laughs> yeah, this is it because you know what? No one fucking remembers that the actual free estate is Montana. It always has yeah. been, and yeah. it always will be. But yeah. it's cold as a motherfucker for half yeah, yeah. the year. So people, yeah. and here's the, actually, I got to stop talking about Montana because I plan on ending up in Montana one day. There's yeah. only like 1.2 million people in the entire fucking <sighs> state. Yeah. It's like 50% public land because it's just forest and mountains, oh, right? I love Montana. And uh, they don't tell you what you can do with your body if you're a guy or a girl, whether you're a vaccine yeah. or this yeah. or that. They yeah. just finally legalized weed. It goes on sale uh, January 1st. No shit. Good for Montana. Come on. Yeah, bro. that was the last thing we were waiting for. It's like, well, when the fuck are they? Because it's been medically legal there for a while, yeah. but they won't let you. I can't go get a medical card. You have to be a Montana resident. But uh, now they're going wreck. Uh, that's going to give them a Sweet. whole bunch of extra state tax money and stuff like yeah. that. I'm telling you, Montana yeah. is going to be the place to be. But don't it's tell anyone. What, what, what about ayahuasca? Are you going to do ceremonies of that on there? Is that part of the plan um, for the property? I, I mean, it, maybe not. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I did in Costa Rica at my property. Um, and uh, it was profound, fantastic. And the seven experiences that I've had with all with an average of 10 to 20 different people. Um, when I look back at who had a bad experience and who had a good experience, there was two guys that they were they had not quit smoking weed and they said, I didn't feel much. I'm like, really? Everybody else had a profound life-changing and wonderful experience. Some people went through major trauma, like crying and all this stuff. But at the end of it, I said, would you, are you glad you did it? Or do you wish you didn't do it? A hundred percent of people said, I'm glad I did it. Yeah. How was Costa Rica? Uh, man, it was epic. I learned so much. One of the main things I learned is you don't bring a, build a community in the middle of the jungle and invite everybody, Democrats, Republicans, all these different people um, into where you have one restaurant and one bar and one something. Wow, really? That's the... <laughs> It was the biggest mistake I ever made, and it was based in ignorance. Um, I just thought people would get along because I get along with everybody. I, I'm not a, I, I'm not a Democrat or Republican. I don't believe in government at all. And so anyway, when the 2012 election came along, uh, all of a sudden, these best friends were hating each other. Like one's a Democrat, one's a And it just got crazy with the fighting. And, and you look at that today and it's now it's 10x, 100x, whatever it is. But it's this divide mentality that always comes from the same freaking place. <laughs> yeah, the government slash mainstream media. Yeah. yeah. Well, slash corporations now. I mean, it's all part yeah. one big. Yeah. It's always been the corporations, man. Yeah. It's just an oligarchy with a democracy hat on. Yeah, for sure. It's a pretty hat. I mean, it's a pretty hat. It's a very manipulative mofo, isn't it? Because one Um, of our past guests is building a community in Costa Rica at the moment. I mean, it's it's very interesting you say that. Well, so here's something that I've learned in the last seven months. Um, When I am now going to do business with somebody, potentially, I say just that I only have one kind of thing that one principle that comes to business. This is fantastic, yeah. I say, do you advocate, or I say, I don't do business with anybody who advocates for force and violence. 
And everybody says, what are you talking about? I don't advocate for forced and violence. And I say, okay, well, that includes forced mandates, forced vaccines, forced all that stuff. And include taxes? they go, <laughs> man, that's a good one, right? <laughs> um, I'm, yes, I'm working on that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tougher one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's helped me. Now one out of 15 people hang up on me and then I'm free of that. That's it? One out of 15? Wow, in Canada, it'd be like f- five maybe? Yeah. The people that call me mostly already know me. And so yeah, they don't call yeah, me. And yeah, say, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's so, great though, that you can say that. Cause I mean, that, that's one of, that's the big difference. Like that is the main difference here between like, we all have our own reality. There's different universes here. There's different realities, but the one is just like most, most of the people in this reality don't want to be, they don't want to force anybody to do anything. And then the other side seems to want to do that. So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty key difference right there. That's the, I think the lowest common denominator. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I love that you just asked that question. You're like, this is the main, this is the, the number one thing, the lowest common denominator. Do you, do you force or do you advocate for force or violence? Yeah. Yeah. Taxes or theft though. Yeah, man. So that's violence. And if I don't pay my taxes, they're going to throw me in jail with threat of a gun. What anarchy, when anarchy isn't? This is Larkin Rose's book right here. The, pro- the only problem with anarchy is that we need a hard reset first because there's some motherfuckers that got the deck rigged and I don't want to play with no cops if the deck's rigged. Yeah. If so, I only have one card and Bezos has a thousand and Elon has a thousand and all these motherfuckers got all kinds of cards, but we only get one each and now we're going to do anarchy. Yeah, no, you know, we're going to just get eaten alive. Here's how we do anarchy, right? There's one thing stronger than all the armies of the world, and that is the idea whose time has come. The best kind of revolution, the sedition, the peaceful sedition, is simply turning our energy towards abundance, towards love, towards joy, towards trade, and towards the voluntary exchange of things. And if we simply do that, and, and that's why it has to be an idea whose time has come. It has to be a ground up thing. It has to be a catalyst for mass adoption of the most logical thing we could do. And, and that's how we change the world. Is that leaving the system or playing in the system and doing all that? Um, well, when we start by creating the foundation of freedom, like all these people that are, hate the government and want the government to fall, which you're, you're alluding to, uh, is Darren, is that I haven't decided if I want the government to fall yeah, or not he, yet. That's yeah. I'm on the fence. Yeah, I understand that. Um, I want the government to fall, but I want us to have the resources. That's my whole, that's our whole job is to help us have the resources. So when they do fall that we have a, a base, we have food. Yeah, for the, yeah, the main food thing. would definitely help. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I'm still on the fence about whether or not the government default. I go back and forth. Yeah, I understand because you know, in a lot of ways, the Western democracies, the way the government's laid out, is kind of pretty genius. It was just they didn't never see 400 million fucking people and that sort of mess. I mean, it's probably too big. It could probably be broken down and work better, but I mean the the representation system if it was implemented properly where, okay, I'm the MP for this area of Alberta for Canada. Right. So I've got that riding. There's a million people in it. There's wouldn't be that many because there's only, you know, there's like, I don't know the numbers off my head. I want to say 352 or 356 members in the house, something like that. 
give or take 50. Um, and there's 35 million people. So you got maybe one for every 100,000 people, 150,000 people. So what should be happening instead of having a liberal party and a conservative party and a green party that all vote together and make little deals and this and that, Darren, who got voted for by his constituents, when there's a big deal, should come and have a couple town halls with his constituents and get the flavor of how his – I mean, this is how I view as the people that set up these systems as seeing it working. And now I go to my 100,000 constituents and, you know, maybe I do a couple of – speeches or a couple of town halls. I open up my email address. Maybe I have a poll on my website. Who wants this? Who wants that? You know, I don't know how you do it. You know, there's some flaws with all of those, but you could find a way to do it because the, the system's designed so that I get a say that's how it's supposed to be. Now it's been hijacked and it's been taken over and it's been railroaded for a long, long, long time. But if it was what it was supposed to be, it would do a good job of holding in check these megacorps that are bound to happen. Right. right. I, I, I couldn't agree more that that's true. The problem is that government always goes towards mandates and violence and force. And so if it's inspired and voluntary, and that we are in the midst of the mass awakening. I mean, people's consciousness is raising. When we get to a level described by Hawkins in his book, Power Versus Force, where we are above the level of integrity as a society in mass, which is happening, then we don't need any violence and force. Everything is based on the voluntary exchange. And, and that's where we're going to get to. Like, I and, know and, we're going to get there. And they will what? Like, it's just like all of these totalitarian things that eventually collapses or eventually just it, it's not sustainable. It transforms. It becomes a tool where people get together because they volunteer and want to. And then they take ideas and they collaborate instead of competing. Now, I'm a competitor. I like competing. But when I'm competing, I'm competing with myself and my own abilities. Right. I used to get mad when somebody else beat me in a sport. Now, if I don't do good enough, if the person's way better than me and he beats me, if I did good, I feel good. If I did shitty, I feel shitty. Right. But it's, it's always, it's an internal thing and, and everybody else can do their thing. And I don't, that's not my thing. Right. The only thing I can be responsible for is this. Yeah. I would like to see them all break up. I mean, that I know for sure. I would like to see, uh, the affiliations between the Canadian provinces and territories become very loose. Yeah. I mean, I don't want border checks and stuff like that. I mean, the EU has a lot of problems as well, yeah. but I think you could look at that sort of model without the overarching bureaucracy. Yeah. So, okay. If we're going to have a federal government, then it can fucking handle the fucking planes maybe. Yeah. And yeah. it can handle maybe the, security i'm less worried about that i mean we have no security here anyway so what's the fucking difference but uh and then just we can intermingle with saskatchewan and bc and all that without it being a big hoopla yeah but that being said my taxes are all going to alberta and you know maybe alberta's paying a small equal fee as everyone else into the federation for like i said the war planes or the the whatever, whatever, you know, everyone's got their own thing that they think needs to be taken care of, fill in the blank. I mean, maybe it's some sort of healthcare, but that would, I would argue should be handled on the provincial level because then maybe we could have the system of government work 
we could have something where we could have where you know we're now now Darren the representative is only responsible for fucking three thousand people. Yeah, I would um, argue that in today's age of technology and easy communication, that private industry without government inter- interference at all, no no government interference, is the way to solve all the world's problems where people volunteer because they see a value in a service. And then when you take the government out and the payroll that's associated with that and the expense and the resources, now you've got people working with people and it's going to be way more efficient in general and it's going to be way less expensive in general. What do you do about the companies that can make more money if they just dump their shit into the river or stuff like that? Anything that causes harm is ill it's, it would be where the people get together and they expose this. And then this wise people say, I'm not buying that product. You almost um, said illegal though. Huh? You well, almost said illegal. That's a government. I totally <laughs> almost did. And that was programming. Yeah. Right? Um, it would be where it would it'd be a conscious choice in a, in a more conscious society, um, which I do believe is coming. I really think that that is the next phase of humanity. And that's what this contrast, this struggle is all about. It's about some people are going to stay in fear. They're going to take all the poisons into the body and they're going to be gone. That sucks. Especially when you think of kids, I can start bawling when I think about that. But instead I focus my energy where I'm the most valuable um, to myself, my family and the world. And that's what is the solution and what, how do we achieve it? And, on a and by doing that, you're not really like pushing all your chips in. Because if the system doesn't collapse, you'll be fine too. In what way? Well, I mean, you're 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 not you're not your your family's success isn't 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 required on the collapse isn't a requirement of the government collapse. If the government's still here in fifty years, you'll just be doing fine. You'll just be less reliant on them. You'll be pissed off that they want their property tax. Exactly, I will be. But you'll be abundant enough that you won't really care. That's true. It's a win on every level. Like everything we're doing, there's no poisons in the system that we're promoting. Um, our business is a, it's called a food forest cooperative. And I started by spending about a quarter million dollars getting 330 pages of FDD and ops manuals. It was a, a legal pile of shit that made me sick. And I threw it, the whole thing in the trash. And now our contract is two pages and it's based on the voluntary exchange of value. Anybody who wants can steal our business model. They, the only thing we'll keep is our brand. That's ours. That's our art and anything else you can steal. Now, what is happening is people are saying, wait a minute, you guys are doing something new and different. So we're going to work with you and collaborate with you. And then we take seven or 12%. We take 7% if for getting all of the business model packaging, the asset, the marketing assets, the design team is so incredible and, and the whole platform. Or, or sometimes we also inspire the client and then we take an extra 5% for the marketing team. So 7 or 12%, that's the value that we bring. And then the cooperative on the ground, who's it's an incredible business model, is the one who makes the majority and they're the ones putting the food in the ground. Fantastic. So speaking about governments and you being in Florida and all that, I mean, you, uh, have you tried uh, going into cities or smaller community or let's say larger communities and I mean, turning in, you know, parks or other types of things into these? 
Yes, all over. Um, we're actually one of our give backs because I don't like this idea of big companies like Apple having like what nine hundred billion dollars in Cash. their freaking vaults. Or va- what the fuck? Like if they took six billion of that plus their energy for one day and promoted what I'm talking about, we would have freedom on an epic level everywhere. I just reached out to Elon Musk for the same reason. I said, Elon, if you want to change the world, I'll tell you exactly how we do it. We've already got the structure in place. So we're when, so in, my point is, is, as we are making money, we're putting it back into the system. We are building food forests and schools and churches and food banks and Africa and all over the world on us. And then that also becomes marketing. We just had, here's some miracles, just real, I'll just bullet point a few. Yeah, yeah. Um, we launched on Earth Day. We were now uh, in over 15 countries and over 40 states. We've got 55 cooperative partners around the world. We've got a TV show pilot that's just been done. It's finished. It's with the Crocodile Hunter as the producer who called me up after seeing the high wire. And they said, we'd like to shine a light on your vision for humanity. And then a a, a list actor called me who used to be my favorite actor. So the coincidences are just off the charts. So we got the TV show done. A documentarian who's incredibly famous that has had 20 documents, documentaries on primetime. We just started a documentary series and then an animated series all at the same time, plus a book. Um, it's going viral, my friends. And, and people are recognizing and becoming part of it, collaborating with it. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's really, I see the path to, to freedom. Even if you're doing it for no charge, have you seen the difficulty with trying to get through governments and cities and all that? I mean, that must be a bit of a pain. That's the biggest monolithic challenge you know, yeah. industry in the world is government right so yes it's a pain in the ass but it will happen it will be the norm for smart governments around the world to say i want to create this for my people um same with the church i'm going right to the church and say church if you're if you really want to do good for people here's how we do it take your land just at your churches around the edges and we'll make a community day. we'll put the whole plan together for you we'll pay for it and then you can put a, a around your church you can put a garden of eden and you can create abundance and butterflies and birds and life and food everywhere yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. And yeah. even small communities might do it or small villages or city or towns might do it before cities. Yeah. You know, if you got on city council, you could be like, Hey, we're doing food force abundant in Chestermere. Yeah. I'm leaving the city. I didn't I run. Yeah. The election was just here. I didn't even vote. Yeah. I went and voted for the time change and the other thing. And buddy's like, you didn't fill out any of the candidates. I was like, I'm moving, man. It's none of my business. At most I'll be here for half the term. So and I don't Good follow any of the rules. So, I mean, yeah. I guess I'm an anarchist at heart. <laughs> yeah. In a lot of ways, I am an anarchist at heart. But, I mean, you know, it's... A, it's a, I'm, uh, without tooting my own horn, I'm, like, adaptable. You know? like yeah, I, that's I don't, beautiful. I don't tend to get too stressed out. And I kind of just always assume everything's going to be okay. I'll figure it out. But... Not everyone's, you know, like that. Other people, it's like, you know, all these little things are, or different little things are triggering or it's hard, you know, it's not, you know, some people have a hard fucking go of it. Yeah. Well, let's unpack the term really quick. Monarchy means one ruler. Anarchy means no ruler. That was quick. I don't want a ruler. I don't need a fucking ruler. Yeah. I, I want to be the author of yeah. my own story, not yeah. have an authority. I can get into that, but here's the thing. 
Is yeah. I think that like goes back into like, you know, Jim's the Lord of uh, Gardenland, and you know sometimes he's at war with the Temple of the Universe because Michael needs Michael, you know, Michael Singer needs a little more land for his temple, and it comes head to head, and you know that's not going to happen because you guys are both great guys and you're going to work it out. But what happens when those crazy motherfuckers from Jacksonville show up? What are they going to destroy my food forest? Well, I don't know. I worry that you know that they might not be on the same spiritual level as some of us, and that that you know, if there is some sort of a collapse, that yeah, they might they might steal the food forest. Yeah. Well, if it would, um, we're really really well prepared. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean that doesn't mean shit ain't going to happen. But we're really well prepared. But you've taken defense into account. I, I believe in protection of life, liberty, and property. Okay. Okay, good. I'm glad to, because I just want to make sure, because some people get this idea, shout out to Chumbo down in uh, down in Texas, that, that you know, it's just going to be fine. It's just going to be, no, we just don't need anything, and it's going to be fine, and yeah. everyone's going to get along. And I'm like, bro, it's not going to be fine. It's going to no. be fucked up sometimes. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. sometimes it's going to be great, but I mean- yeah. Sometimes it's going to be fucked up. I mean, everyone yeah. likes to think that the Indians were just great and yeah. we were just having a time. But I'll tell you what, sometimes we were fucking each other up pretty bad. Yeah. And we weren't, we were, when yeah. we weren't doing that, we were fucking with each other just for fun. Yeah. So, just for ignorance fun, right? Yeah. Or stealing horses or, you know, all yeah. that kind of shit. It's just like, it seems to be an innate human nature to rub up against each other. I think it's um, it's a product of governmente. It's a product of the teachings of the church, the fear-based teachings, right, of all of these major industries and entities. I think that once we recognize where the fear-based message and program and narrative comes from, then we will no longer be subject to that narrative. Yeah, that's interesting. I kind of agree with that. I, I don't know I, if I it's like nature. You. I think it's more of a... Uh, the opposite of nurture from the government. Yeah, but I mean, I'm going back to my people before the government showed up and fucked us all up. We were doing, a, you know, we weren't as bad, but we were fucking each other up quite yeah, a bit too, yeah. you know, from time to yeah. time. Not like yeah. we we didn't do quite a good job of uh, industrializing it, right? But it was still happening. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. There's that side of because I'm with you. I want to be the enlightened guy and, and all that. I just don't want to get hit in the back of the head with a shovel by the guy that's yeah. not quite there. But right, right, right. But if you have some guns and shit, then, I mean, yeah. I'll be the gun guy. I'll just be in charge of security. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so what are, what are we missing uh, before we let you go? We appreciate well, uh, all your time here. And uh, uh, But what do you got coming up in the future? Um, geez, we got a lot coming up. We've got all these people getting food for us in the ground and they all want to be demonstrators of what's possible. Well, that's good. So now over time, it's just going to be like seeds of food for us all over the world, thousands and thousands of them. And then it's going to become the next logical thing. We've got several movie stars reaching out, influencers, um, we're, it, a lot of neat things are coming. So if, if anybody out there would like to be, um, would like to grow food and be prepared, we have a preparedness blueprint we have a food forest landscape blueprint and we've got an indoor design blueprint we also have the cooperative business model if you want to be in the business of helping people grow food and be prepared it's a very lucrative and beneficial business on every level and so i invite you to call me and uh, our email uh, 
jim at foodforestabundance.com. And our website is foodforestabundance.com. And let's change the world. You should do the... Right on. You should get in on that. I'm yeah, taking care of the meat. I, I don't have much of a green I'm taking thumb. care of the meat. You should start taking care of the veggies. <clears throat> yeah, maybe. And he said there's an indoor one even. Yeah, yeah maybe. You yeah. got that extra room. You could just be bringing <laughs> me carrots all the time, bro. Bring me some carrots. Yeah. I mean, carrots are kind of hard to grow. What's the... What's the easiest vegetable to grow indoors? Like if you say like, uh, I like cause the winter sucks. So what can I just yeah. grow on my counter? That so I, I like microgreens. If you, if you do coffee for 30 seconds a day, you can use that same time and add 30 seconds and have microgreens that are freaking fantastic. Ooh, I do a French press every day. Yeah, there you go. So, so with the microgreens have... is like the uh, bottle. Those are the ones that come in a it's jar, a... right? Comes in a flat. No, that's sprouts. These come in a flat, and you put some dirt in there. You sprinkle the seeds on top. Spray with a little water. Give it four days, five days to grow up to here. Take it. Let it see some light, and then and then you eat them in fourteen days. Full harvest in fourteen days, and they're four to forty times more nutrient dense than their adult counterparts: broccoli or kale or peas or any of these. All right, that's good advice. Yeah, yeah. right on. So. Right on. Are you on? Do you have any social media, anything like that? We're all over now. Food Forest Abundance. We're gonna be uh, creating a bit shoot channel from my studio at Golf Landing. I'm gonna be doing videos every day on how to do this. And like you mentioned, not having a green thumb. Our designers create a design blueprint that's 45 pages, which will include the exact design landscape blueprint for the individual customer. And then from there, it's literally just looking at the blueprint and you can find out where all the plants are. You stick them in the ground. You don't have to have a ruler. Like it's just in general. It's a, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know. No, I know. It's just that, you know, yeah. it, it, it's just not a, you can yeah, roll a pretty could, decent joy. Yeah. I could. <laughs> <laughs> and hand it over to you. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. No, I, uh, okay. Yeah. We'll take a look at it. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, yeah. thank you guys. Yeah, I thanks. appreciate your time. Thanks, Jim. Awesome. Yeah. Take care. You have a great night. Yeah, you too. Okay. Anytime. Good All luck. Right. Ciao. Now is a chat with Jim Gale. What'd you think, buddy? Uh yeah, I was I was thinking about it when you were when you said that. Were you, you thinking know? about well, already? I thought about uh some friends of ours too of the show that are looking for opportunities, you know. Oh, well, I wasn't Paul thinking Jasper. of Jasper. I wasn't thinking of the money making opportunity. I was just thinking of you growing me some green. Oh. Like I'll hunt the meat since you don't yeah, yeah. you seem to seem yeah. to like to complain about it. <laughs> and about then, what part? Every part. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. I was talking to Brady the other day, and he was like reminiscing on the smell in the truck on the way home. He's yeah. like, dude, he's like that smell almost made me eat like I'd think of it for like a month after. Oh just wow, like that's the no other way he bailed on the next one. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, but the elks didn't seem to have that smell. Well, we weren't like up to our elbows in it. Really, you think that's what it yeah. was? Yeah. Oh, it was the stomach problem? That's maybe. the and that's we had like washed ourselves and like oh, yeah. as opposed to like remember there we like skinned it and deboned it and everything on the tailgate of the truck. Did you debone it too? Yeah. Huh. We left the bones and everything in the bush, so we like butchered the whole thing on the tail, which I wouldn't do again. That was the right. Thing. Yeah. But. Oh. And then we went home. And then we went and got A&W. I think he had a hard time with that whole experience. <laughs> but anyway, if you grow the vegetables, then I'll just, I'll give you. Well, I'll, I'm not having to be eating vegetables. That's the other weird thing. So, you know. Yeah, but I need some vegetables. I can't do it just me. 
Okay. I can do mostly meat. All right. Well, we'll talk We'll talk about it. I mean, the, I like the microgreen idea and stuff, but I got cats, too. They're going to eat the shit, and it's probably poisons to the cats. You I mean, need a room. Figure this you out. need a microgreen room. Oh, boy. Anyway, big thanks to uh, Jim for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Even bigger thanks if you're the 1% or 2% that choose to support the work. Head over to grimerica.ca slash support today. Sign up for a monthly. Make a one-time donation. Uh, the COVID, you know, all that people been out of work and struggling for a couple of years. It hits us too. support, you know, help build that back up. Sign up for a month. Boo, sorry. Sign up for a monthly today. Make a one-time donation. Head over to grimericaoutlawed.ca and sign up for plus over there. Check it out. See if you like it. Head over to rockfin.com slash grimerica. Adultbrain.ca for the audiobooks. I think that's it. Love I you think guys. so. Spam Graham, maybe? Spam Graham. Oh, yeah, not enough. Not enough people have been emailing Graham. He's been complaining again about not enough emails. No, I don't emails. complain about that at all. Are you not enough people me? email me. I don't know if they care. Like I love the, the show. Do they I hate like the things. show? Let us know what you think. Graham at well, we got the chats too, and people are in the chats and trying to follow the chats a little bit, and I'll, I'll take some uh, content out of those channels for some of the intros, I think. You know, like the synchros we talked about the other day, but I think that's what it is. Most people are in the chats. I only go on Congress and Boomsticks, really, in COVID-1984. <laughs> Those are my three channels. Anyway, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Baby, you're just a single solitary drop in the bucket, baby. You're just a drop in the bucket, baby. You're just a single solitary drop in the bucket, baby.
think I'll be a poet today? Sketch out the scenery Rambling from here and there and back and forth between here and there and back and forth between here and there and to the corner store The sunrise corner store Store. The Sunrise Corner Store Pinching pennies La da 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 I'm a dog to be my best. 